At MasterCard, we believe that women-owned small businesses are uniquely inspiring. They're pillars of the community and have a measurable impact on the people within them. It's their secret sauce. We are deeply committed to helping address the daily challenges of all Canadian small businesses by putting our technology, cybersecurity solutions, digital resources, and partnerships to work for you every day. Discover them today at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. MasterCard, start something priceless. At Scotiabank, we know how important thriving businesses are for the strength of our economy. Our team of experienced advisors across the country can provide you with tailored advice, leading products, and valuable resources to help achieve all your financial goals. We're here for every future. Let's get started today. Visit us at scotiabank.com slash smallbusiness. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, where we talk to Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. I'm your host, Rick Spence, and as a business journalist, editor, and entrepreneur, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, successful, and scalable. Join me every Tuesday at 10 a.m. ET to hear new stories of Canadian entrepreneurs and learn about the moments that mattered most on their journeys. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're excited to have two guests with us, Rachel Kerr and David Gaylord. David Gaylord is CEO of Bushbalm, a women's skincare and technology brand focused on the bikini line or wherever hair tends to grow on the body. After spending seven plus years at Shopify, he used his e-commerce expertise to launch Bush Balm, which now sells scrubs, soothing lotions, moisturizers, trimmers, and tools through Canadian and U.S. retailers such as Indigo, Whole Foods, Whole Renfrew, Urban Outfitters, and Amazon. The brand is now expanding its channel strategy with over a thousand waxing salons already carrying its products. Rachel Kerr is Director of Brands and Sales at Bush Balm Skin Care and the company's first employee. Rachel honed her PR and marketing skills at Giant Tiger and Hyatt Hotels. Since joining Bushbaum, she has overhauled the brand while fostering a community that addresses common skin irritations often ignored by the mainstream beauty industry. Rachel and David, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thanks for having us. We're delighted to have you both and, and, and to have both of you together, um, you know, we'll, we'll create a fun dynamic. It's fun to have two people. So first, first question is to you both. What's the top piece of advice that you hope entrepreneurs will take away from today's conversation? What guaranteed insights will we give them? Um, I guess I can just quickly start. But the one thing on my mind, and I think Rachel can attest to this, is you like just learning. And like, even if you, it doesn't work out, whatever you do, you're always building something new and kind of learning a new skill set. Which, uh, yeah, for me, like entrepreneurship is very exciting that way. Because, yeah, every day you're becoming like a better person at something or learning a new skill set, which uh, hopefully we can talk just about some of those skills that you you might learn if you're willing to kind of jump into a startup. Um, but yeah, that's kind of one on, on my end. Um, pretty much exactly what David said. I think if you get the opportunity to work with a startup, you get to kind of develop this entrepreneurial mindset. 
Um, and just don't be afraid to test and try things. Things are really fast paced and change every day, but it's an amazing um, opportunity to learn and see all areas of the business. Can you give me an example of that at all, Rachel? So, you know, don't be afraid to test and try things. What, what's something that you tested or tried and, and, and is working so far? Uh, we do that a lot at Bushbaum, even just with the way we um, talk about our messaging or our products. We're always trying different angles. Um, same thing with like on TikTok. If we see something working, we'll try it five more times, maybe a shorter clip, a different caption, different emoji, um, and just like putting the brand out there in different ways, seeing how our community reacts. Very cool. Okay, so Bushbaum, and we'll spell that for you in case you, you, you don't know how to spell it. B-U-S-H-B-A-L-M, silent L in the word bomb. Bushbaum has seen a ton of success and it's, and it's beloved by its customers. But let's go back to the beginning. David, what sparked the idea and mission of Bushbaum? Yeah, so the first uh, how Bushbaum came to be was actually Tim and Mel, um, so the other co-founders. So they uh, were on their honeymoon, and uh, I believe it was Mel used Tim's beard oil to freshen up. So that didn't start the idea of Bushbaum, but what it did was it led to a conversation around why isn't there a product for skincare down there, and what would that look like? Um, so yeah, in the early days, the idea was interesting and different, and the name came pretty quick. Um, but the product and our focus and what we did uh, took about three years to figure out. Um, and originally, it was maybe around scent or freshening up, and it, it really came to be around uh, skin irritation. So our, our big thing is um, everyone wants to go to the beach, but no one wants to think about razor burn while you're going to the beach. So that's kind of the purpose and mission behind what, what we do at Bushbaum. Right. And why was there this niche? What, what was it that the you know mainstream uh, beauty skincare wasn't addressing? Yeah, I think um, if you think about beauty products and skincare in general, um, the face has about 10 different um, regimes that you would add to your routine. And then even in uh, mainstream beauty retailers, I think body care really had a movement um, the last two years, but there's nothing really specifically you can walk into a store like that um, and find a natural product to help provide relief for skin irritations like razor burn. Um, and then I think even more importantly, if you think about beauty products for the face, a lot of them are more so enhancements, whereas um, these are like actual problems that cause itchiness, that cause redness, that literally give you that burning sensation. Um, and a lot of people out there, there's no uh, products that they can find to use it. So I think that's where our niche really comes in. And we're hoping to build out kind of that household name where if you are experiencing things like that, you immediately think of Bushbaum. Wow, cool. Tell us just a little bit of the early days at Bushbaum, David. I mean, I mean, what was it like trying to do something brand new in, in, in the skincare industry? Yeah, like if you think about a startup, a lot of it's like timing. So like, if you think back to 2016, it wasn't the right time, like at all. There was nothing about Bushbaum that was timed well in 2016. Like our product line was still way too taboo and people weren't willing to talk about it. And it was, it was unique and different, but people were still scared of it. And then as time went on, that changed. And like on, on Rachel's side, she joined the brand. And at that point we saw a lot more, uh, a lot more folks um, come through to the brand that um, saw the taboo. And then at that point, the taboo actually became cool. Um, so right now, Bushbaum, you look at razor burn, ingrown hairs and TikTok, and there's a lot of people talking about why this concern is a real concern. Whereas 2016, no one was willing to talk about it. Um, so that, that's really helped us break in. And you can compare us to acne, for instance, as a category, like acne 10 years ago was really taboo and no one talked about it. 
Whereas now it's like encouraged and fine and exciting to talk about acne um, because there's so many products. It's so well known. It's so exciting. And I think our category is moving in, in that direction. Probably still we're, we're quite early, I would say um, a few more years until it's really mainstream. Fascinating stuff. Who knew the society could change so fast uh, on, on, you know, long ancient taboos like that. Rachel, you were Bushbaum's first employee. Uh, what brought you to the company and, and, and how did you decide to throw in with them? Um, I got connected with David and was like super intrigued just by Bushbaum um, in general. And the early days, or even before Bushbaum, I worked in um, the hotel industry. So the timing of the pandemic and how that had such an impact there it was kind of a perfect segue into this awesome opportunity with Bushbaum. Um, and in the early days, Bushbaum didn't have an office. Dave and Tim were still working um, full time with Shopify. So I would literally work out of Dave's condo and just try and grab him at any of his like in-between meetings to ask questions um, and really get a hold of the ropes and understand all areas of Bushbaum. Um, so yeah, it was me and Dave in his condo downtown and Tim um, as well, but he was on paternity leave when I first started. So I think, right, David? No, no, that's right. Yeah. So it was actually really Rachel running um, the brand. And when I was in kind of uh, coffee breaks and in between meetings, we would, we would chat and go through things. So I, I think, at a startup, you get unique experiences, and that was one where I think it accelerated what Rachel could learn just by having so much responsibility and freedom, um, which is, yeah, I think some of the beauty of a startup, you can do things really quickly and you can fail really quickly. Um, and the repercussions are likely a little bit smaller at the start, um, but in a big corporation, obviously, um, any any issue that you you come up with or mistake you might make is, a, is potentially amplified uh, to a larger size. The timing of this couldn't be better. It's just before Christmas. Is there any, 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 anything in your line that would qualify as a great last minute Christmas gift? Oh my gosh. So many, I think the trimmers, a no brainer, just because anybody can use it. It's an awesome gift. It's more of a, um, high ticket kind of item. So I'd be thrilled if I got one. Um, and then our body wash, it's a really easy stocking stuffer. Everybody loves a body wash, but more exciting. And I think that would bring a ton of shock value. Our new hydrogel vegetal mask, I think will be a huge um, holiday gifting product. All right. We're, we're there to help entrepreneurs with all their problems, <laughs> including last minute Christmas shopping, because I don't know any entrepreneurs who don't <laughs> shop the last minute. Yeah. And the, the, the other side of it too is um, if you look at Bushbone, we're kind of a very taboo and interesting uh, secret Santa gift. Um, because it's, it's at first a bit shocking, but at the same time, when you're like, oh, the products for this, it's actually very practical, um, and very common. So, um, our market may sound niche, but it's actually very common to just, just everyone generally. You have quite a, quite a lineup of products now, but presumably when you started, it was, it was, it was just one or two. So can you tell us a little bit about the evolution of the product line and how you decide, uh, when you're going to introduce a new product? Yeah, as far as launching new products and bringing new products to market as a small company, it's like a, it's a big risk every time um, just because the costs um, to do it. Um, but what we've realized in our industry, and I'm sure technology is the same, is when you're launching something, it actually takes quite a while to make. Um, so for us, it's typically about a year um, to develop a product and then bring it to market. Um, so how we saw it in the early days is we actually used SEO research um, to understand where there's a lot of trends and up and coming products. So dark spots um, and hyperpigmentation uh, was a keyword that was growing significantly in 2021. Um, so we launched a product and it, it actually did extremely well. It's now our bestseller. 
Um, so trends like that we saw and we launched new products. Whereas now that we're a bit bigger, um, we can actually expand on our line. And um, I think we go through this cycle. It's really difficult to, you always want to do something new. Um, or you can think about launching something that's an extension of what's already working. Um, so we're going through that where um, it's kind of weighing out the ROI on do we launch a complete new category like the Bajacial Mask or do we launch another Dark Spot product that's even better than the one before? Um, so yeah, it, it's kind of a constant battle, but at the same time now it's it's big investments that uh, you got to be excited to take the risk. Um, so that's kind of the back and forth the team always has on, on what we want to take a risk on. Right. Have there been any new products you launched that, that didn't work out? And was there anything that you learned from them that other entrepreneurs might benefit from knowing? Yeah, I think we we might even have different opinions, Rachel, on if like our body wash was a success or if our cream was a success. So maybe you just give your opinion. Um, I was thinking kind of, I think, where you're going with that as well. I think um, it all kind of shifts when our strategy changes. So at a time not long ago, um, I personally thought it would be amazing to bring in more of these like everyday essentials into the body care mix, which would be something like our um, firming cream and our nourishing body wash. Um, and while they're like great additions, I don't think they're those hero standout products. And if we want to really be specific with bikini line skincare, they don't exactly like fall aligned into that category. Yeah. And just like on my end, it's kind of the same thought. And if, if you have your measure of success, right? If we said the body wash is going to be um, our new hero product, we failed, right? Um, but if you look at the body wash is gonna be our best upsell, and um, then we've probably succeeded as it's a, it's a really good upsell. And then the other side of it too is what's, what's I think shocking is some of our products that aren't our heroes, our best sellers, they're actually like the highest rated products. Um, so they have just like incredible reviews, everyone loves them, but they're potentially in saturated markets, whereas for us to break through, we have to really dive into, and most entrepreneurs, you have to find something to become known for. And for us, like a body wash that we have is incredible, but we're, we're probably not going to be known for a, for a body wash. Right. Well, that's, a, that's really interesting stories. Thank you. Um, and just following up on one aspect of that, you mentioned you use SEO uh, to, to see what people are searching for and you know what are the problems they're trying to solve and, and how that's changing over time. Just wondering, did you need professional help to do that? Or is that something sort of anyone can do? Yeah, for the most part, you can do it yourself. Um, there's like Google search trends, which you can just throw up on Google and find it and put in keywords. And, and you'll start to see like the over the last 12 months, over the last five years, you can, you can do that. Um, and then there's some free tools as well, like Google Keyword Planner. You can look at trends over time. Um, but yeah, there, there's tons of low cost tools for that. And yeah, for us, it was really just like looking at our category and thinking, okay, what are products that also we could benefit from? And then let's just see if people are searching for these things um, as well as like keeping your, your ears open to trends. So like the Vajayshil product we launched, um, that wasn't, that didn't stem from us doing keyword research. It stemmed from estheticians launching that service and then us doing the research afterwards to see, hey, is this actually a trend? And um, the SEO really showed it was a huge trend. Um, so yeah, it, it's kind of push and pull, but the tools are very, very affordable and, and mostly free in, in general. Right. And tell me about your experience with TikTok. Is that a, a good platform from which to sell, sell a brand? Uh, I would say it absolutely is. We have firsthand experience on um, what can happen early on if a video goes viral and especially if it um, happens organically from a customer. I think we like to call that the Abby effect at Pushbomb. Abby's our girl that we are obsessed with. And she was 
more of um, a micro creator at the time who found us through an influencer marketing ad that we were running. And she bought the product on her own, ended up making this review style video on TikTok um, and also showed the before and afters of what it did to her underarm area. And it just took off and we like immediately saw um, what it was doing in terms of traffic and sales to the product she was talking about. Um, so we love when that happens. Um, we also always say we don't think we could have scripted something better ourselves from the way she hit on everything about the 20% off offer she got, the fast shipping, um, the quality of the product, the cute packaging. It was amazing. Um, and then I also think we found success with TikTok by just not being afraid to try things really early on. Like we tried to jump on it right away. Um, I don't think we, David and I can take all of the credit. We were lucky to have somebody who I think was like very um, involved in the app and using it all the time who helped us a bunch and is now a full-time employee who's kind of always testing content um, and video styles to put up there. So I think just being consistent with it and again, really putting yourself out there and thinking like a creator and not being afraid to test and try the trends or start your own trends is really important. So it, so it sounds like your um, first big breakthrough came because of an influencer. So that speaks well to your product, but how do you build a strategy around TikTok based on that? You have to have a strategy that's willing to change almost daily because I feel <laughs> like the trends on TikTok are so quick. Um, but we also find that what we do on TikTok isn't going to necessarily work on Instagram or Facebook or even ads. Um, so we try and stick to what we know in terms of always showing results, always showing before and afters. And then when there is a trend or a viral sound that's happening on there, find a way to bring our own branding, um, to life. But like I said, we really try anything on TikTok, And I think that's the area or the platform that we kind of, um, break some of the brand standards or rules that we apply to our other platforms and really just go for it on there. Interesting. Tell me what what you mean by, you know, we will break some of the brand standards on TikTok that we won't break anywhere else. Just tell, tell me how that, how that happens. Um, I think even just like the language and the nature of um, the industry we are in, um, there's things we do that are more professional or more education wise on Instagram. Whereas if there's a trend that's a bit um, more out there or even vulgar is probably not the right word, but something that's more uh, shocking We'll do it there. And we also find we have such a different audience. Like humor is way more important on TikTok than it is on other platforms. So I think that's the uh, platform we get to have way more fun and really like bring in our own team's like personality and showcase it on there a bit more. When one thinks of your industry, one thinks of, you know, huge, glossy, full page magazine ads and everything. Do you do any traditional media marketing or is it all digital? Um, no, we, we are moving more into traditional, I would say. So if you look at, yeah, we, we grew through direct to consumer and we had a lot of digital and a lot of that is building the brand. So people know it. Um, but yeah, now we're, we're scaling different parts of the business. So we're going to be uh, growing in the United States in retail. Um, so driving people to a retailer is a lot different uh, than driving people to your website. Um, and then we also have this really big uh, and growing waxing salon business. So if you look at that business, um, we're actually probably going to be doing postcard mail. Um, as a marketing tactic, which is pretty traditional. Um, we're also doing probably four to eight trade shows next year. So super traditional as well. Um, so yeah, nowadays, I think it's a, a mix of digital as well as uh, physical is, is actually quite important. David, you've talked about looking forward to some pretty impressive growth. Um, what are your ambitions? Can, can Bushbomb be a major 
every household uh, beauty brand? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. So right now we're still in that super early stage of becoming a household name. And I think just our strategy in general of where we're trying to go and um, waxing, uh, for instance, is a huge category where it's a good number for you. In the United States alone, there's actually 10 times more waxing salons than Starbucks. Um, so that's 360,000 stores. So if we're in 100,000 locations across the U.S., um, right there, that is that is almost household name material um, as far as a brand. Um, and then also, yeah, we haven't really gone into any retailers yet. So um, if you think about in Canada, Shoppers Drug Mart, for instance, um, that's about 1,600 stores. And uh, we actually would have a really good uh, product line to fit into their category. Um, so, yeah, I think we're still in that early days. But if, if you look at bikini line skincare, it's not really a category yet. Um, and if we can actually build it into a category um, and we're the ones leading the way, we'll probably become known for for that specific category, which is what we're, we're trying to do. Wow, that's, a, that's extremely exciting. Are there any Canadian models that you look to that say, you know, this is a company that 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 that, that made something happen? Maybe it's Mac Cosmetics. I don't know. Someone that, that that's broken through the way you're hoping to. Um, there's actually one in Vancouver called Eminence, um, but they're more on the professional side. So they've grown a huge team and they've, they're sold in all kinds of salons and beauty boutiques. Um, so we look to them for inspo on how they've done it. Um, and then the other one for me, it's not Canadian, but Dermalogica has really grown significantly everywhere. Um, so we look to them for a lot of inspiration um, as well. I think they'd like key with those two brands as well. Um is they get you kind of get that credibility once you're backed by an esthetician or those are the products that they use um, in a service that people would be going to experience at a salon. So you get the credibility there and then also the awareness if you end up in retailers or um, continue to grow your awareness online. Right. Can I ask about your financing history? Have you been able to uh, fund this all yourselves or is there some outside angels or investors that, that have been involved in the company? No, we, we bootstrapped um, since day one. So what that's meant is uh, it's made it difficult during rapid growth times, right? We've got to buy all kinds of inventory. Um, and right now we're going through that period with a big beauty retailer launch. So we're, we're having to buy a significant amount of inventory, signage, kind of everything. Um, so yeah, we, we've actually bootstrapped and we're at the point now we're at a really interesting spot where um, there's potential to raise money with uh, beauty investors um, just because they, they typically want to see uh, your proof to market. And then um, we're at this spot where we can grow and continue to grow or uh, we can really fuel that growth. So yeah, we're, we're currently actually meeting just, um, I feel like it's, a, it's now my job is just to always keep talking with investor folks, whether we're trying to raise or not. Just to be, uh, just so they know about Bushbomb and where we're going and our traction. Um, so yeah, we're we're at an interesting spot where we're getting quite a bit of uh, traction there, and um, folks kind of asking uh, if we if we are looking to raise or not. Well, that's really exciting. I mean, are are, are people coming to you and and seeing, uh, yeah, and and you know asking to be involved with the company in terms of financing it? Are are, are they coming to you? Yeah, there. It's funny actually. The beauty uh, investor community. Um, so the, the beauty investors who really have experience with retail, international, like all the things that we will need help on, um, it's a small group. It's like a small group. They're all friends. They all know each other. Um, so yeah, we, we've seen quite a few reach out um, just to have initial conversations. And then um, nowadays, I was just at a conference in LA, which had a lot of beauty investors. And it was amazing just to chat with them and tell them about our traction. Um, and the real key is you've got to get on their, their radar. And then as soon as you are 
um, and they dive into the numbers, that's when they, they get quite excited. So um, yeah, we're still in that phase, but uh, yeah, it's a learning lesson. Like we've never raised money or, or really thought about it. Um, and now it, it's kind of forefront for us to get to uh, ideally the next stage of what we want to do for growth. Right. I mean, you guys are in such good shape with uh, a brand that is really resonating. It's, it, it, it's up with the times. You're ahead of, uh, 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 of the market. Um, so many companies that I've met would love to be in, your, in, in that position. What do you think it was that, that has put you in a position where, you know, you're now beginning to court investors, but you're already at multi-million dollars in sales without having outside investment. So you've got a, 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 a big runway there to, to attract investment and not lose control of the company, still to, to, to stay in charge. Uh, you know, you're in the catbird seat. How did, in one sentence, how do you think it happened? It's hard to, hard to answer in one. Um, uh, I, I just think we're, okay, you get two, I think we're just super three if you want. Um, creative and just like, don't take no for an answer. Essentially, we're just always trying to figure something out um, is really what we're good at and never stopping, essentially. No, that's great. That, that, tell me what it means. You don't take no for an answer. Well, we're just like good at uh, continuing to dive into new concepts. And if one doesn't work, we're always trying something new. And yeah, we just never stop iterating to get better. And um, it could be easy to get complacent. Um, but yeah, we're always like thinking up new creative things. And I think that's the beauty of what we do. We have to be creative with products because that's never over. And then obviously in marketing, consumer, uh, like their approach to products changes over time. So you really got to be on the forefront uh, with your marketing and narrative right. as well. Rachel, I think you've said that um, the Bush Bomb has some really um, strong customer support in Canada, and I'm just wondering if you can tell us a little bit about how how you how you developed that over time. Yeah, um, David and Tim appeared on the Dragon's Den, so I always say our Canadian customers they love a sale, but they also love us and really um, love talking about Bush Bomb. I think the awareness from Dragon's Den, there's like a sense of pride that Canadians feel um, when they recognize brands that go on there. Um, but not just Canada, I think like all of our social audience, because we're kind of normalizing and showcasing real skin and also real results from our products, people love to see that. Um, I think traditionally women specifically are used to seeing marketing campaigns or ads that showcase, say, like razors, shaving a leg that's already has no hair on it. Like we would never post something like that. We would always share um, the realness of what our products can do and where to use them. So we really don't shy away from showing anything. And I think that goes a long way and um, consumers really appreciate it. Do you see signs that you're making the same connections with, uh, with, with American consumers now? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think actually just from like looking at our insights, we have uh, way more like social followers um, in the U.S. So I think Canadians and Americans all can relate to um, Bush Bomb products and feel well represented on our site. And just following up on Dragon's Den, um, I didn't see that episode. Um, how did you get away without a deal? Um, we actually did get a deal um, on Dragon's Den. It just, uh, as time went on, it didn't, it didn't work out. Just if you kind of look back, um, they do due diligence and all of that, which is great, and they should, obviously. But we were growing so fast at the time, like the deal on the show and due diligence of two months, everything changes, right? So the deal itself wasn't uh, appropriate anymore. So it, it just didn't work out. And um, we actually are still in touch. It's actually Arlene Dickinson's team. Um, so uh, we've actually, I just met with them a couple of weeks ago on 
um, as we're thinking about raising, like they're, they're a company that actually does a lot of beauty and cosmetic and, and CPG brands. Um, so yeah, met with them for advice and uh, we're actually someone that they might be interested in in probably a year or two uh, down the road. So um, yeah, anyways, it's been, uh, it was interesting to get a deal and then go through the due diligence process. Um, it was a lot of fun. And then, uh, yeah, it didn't work out, but probably for the best uh, for everyone. Right. I mean, 90, 90% of those deals don't work out. And my experience talking to the entrepreneurs is that they're just as glad they didn't work out uh, in the end because the the, the PR value uh, often changes the equation. And and certainly, you know, the, 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 the Dragons are tough negotiators. But it's, still, it, it's great that uh, Arlene Dickinson's team is still interested. They won't be able to afford you in two years, so I don't know what they're waiting for. <laughs> But that that would be great. Um, just one final question. I'm just curious about how you make taboo branding work for you because it's you you you've been on the cutting edge. You've been um, the, helping to, no, to to normalize this part of skincare. Um, at yet at the same time, you know, kind of edgy. Has that been something you've had to work at, or does that actually work for you? Uh, a bit of both, I think, um, in the early days, at least when I started having um, content that we could push out there that would kind of create that shock value, even though it shouldn't be shocking because it's really like everyday things that we're doing to our body hair um, was hard to find. But now I feel like we're almost masters at it. Like we pump out content pretty quickly, even just internally. And we've also created this space um, where our customers are so proud of their results that they want to share them. Um, I think a few years ago, I don't think many women would be comfortable sharing pictures or like zooming in on their bikini line for how soft and smooth it is. But um, we see that a lot. You'll hear it in our reviews, um, both video and like testimonials that people leave on the website. So I think we've created a space where people um, are open to talking about it. We've created a space where everyone feels recognized um, and people aren't shying away from talking about the irritations that come with removing body hair or even keeping it. Um, and we'll continue to do that across all of our platforms and website. Right. I mean, it, it seems like you, you, you've succeeded at walking a very fine line here uh, and help build your own market. Um, and are you seeing competition coming in? Usually when someone starts uh, uh, showing some success in a new line, it doesn't take long for uh, the knockoffs to come along. Yeah, um, we're kind of in an interesting spot. So if you think about um, like like CPG brands, right? So we're in a category where uh, we're quite taboo still, where um, the big brands aren't going to be jumping into our category anytime soon. Um, so that that's a benefit for us. Um, and our category still remains under the radar for many uh, companies. But of course, we, we do have competition. And that's where um, for us to stay ahead, a lot of it is product innovation. So launching unique products that others don't have. Um, and then, sure, if uh, a brand launches another product, um, we're already two products ahead. That's kind of the, how we see the world. Um, but yeah, we, we've definitely seen a little bit more competition and sexual wellness, um, body care, all of those categories are up and coming. Um, but we see our advantage as um, a lot of those companies are body care companies with one product in our category, um, where we are a category focused solely on what we do. Um, so you're not going to think of a body care company as the product for your bikini line, but company that just does bikini line you're really going to think about it first right and it sounds like you've really developed the ability to understand this market to see the changes in it and to move fast and take chances and and i think that's how you keep ahead right for sure 
All right. Thank you. Um, I'm going to ask you now for any final words of wisdom and ask both of you, and maybe Rachel, you can go first. We'll give David the last word in here. Um, any final uh, new insights or advice for Canadian entrepreneurs, people who want to break out of the, the Canadian market, people who want to introduce new products, because uh, you guys are doing so many great things. Yeah, I think I kind of said it earlier, but just try and soak it all in and learn as much as you can. Um, I always say, and, and I like to get inspiration from other brands that aren't necessarily in our space to see what they're doing and how we can do either something similar or more specific to the areas that we focus on. Um, but try everything. Um, don't take things personally. You're going to make um, mistakes, but you'll learn from them and soak it all in because it's a, a crazy ride. And I don't think there's other jobs out there like this, kind of to David's point that he said before. Um, in the corporate world, there's a lot of uh, things you have to do before you can actually launch something. Whereas um, when you're working for a startup, you can do things a lot faster. Right. David, last word is yours. Um, yeah, I, I guess just on the startup world is uh, I always talk about like re having a good resume. Um, and that's something that like in corporations, it's kind of weird to say like, oh, you should always update your resume. Um, but if you look in the startup world, your resume is almost like your list of things you've accomplished. Um, and in a startup, it's so hard to keep track of all the things you've done. So um, in startup world, I, I think it's critical to look back on every single thing you've done over the last few years and, and write it down because, um, yeah, it, it's easy to forget. And, uh, and in startup world, you're always working really hard and growing and um, just kind of, yeah, celebrating is, is a difficult thing in, in the startup world, which we, we probably have to do more of. So journaling, keeping track of... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I, I think that's a great idea because things happen so fast, right? And sometimes you don't remember where were where were we at a year ago. And sometimes it's yeah, it's really good to go back and remember <laughs> how far you. Yeah, exactly. So that's a great definitely. Idea. Yeah, right. we were we were probably like six people a year ago, and now we're, we're at least double uh, what we were a year ago. So yeah, looking back, like the team has grown so much, and everything's changed. It's it's truly incredible. Yeah, well, it's great to have those touchstones that you go back and see how far you've come. So. Great idea. We've been talking with Rachel Kerr, Director of Brand and Sales with Bushbaum Skincare, and David Gaylord, the CEO at Bushbaum. Thank you both for being with us and sharing all these uh, all these uh, great stories and learnings. We wish you great success in the future, and we will check in with you again. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, and happy holidays. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Startup Canada podcast. This show is produced by Lauren Hicks and Maddie Stiles, and it's made possible by the support of MasterCard and Scotiabank. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Until next week, I'm your host, Rick Spence. <laughs>